when I was younger, I had tremendous anxiety. I used to tell my father, but I had this, this rodent, like scratching on the inside of my stomach. My dad just used to always say, and this too shall pass. And uh, it did with heroin. Ken Barron struggled with drug addiction for years. But even when he was able to get sober and have a successful career, Ken still felt empty on the inside. Things were going good. I was making a lot of money. But I'm still feeling, I still have this anxiety, still feeling empty. I thought marrying my wife would solve this. The only thing that could fix Ken Barron's brokenness was a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when Ken met Jesus, he finally experienced the forgiveness, the peace, and the joy he'd been searching for. Ken Barron is our guest on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Phil Fleischman. And hey there, I'm Jim Kirkland. Just so you know, Ken Barron actually works at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. He's the Executive Vice President of Government and Partner Relations. It is an interesting journey that brought Ken here, and that's an understatement. You're going to need to hear this story. And as you listen, you will also hear from Billy Graham. In this episode, he's going to share a short message that Ken had to learn the hard way. There's a very high price to low living. Too many think that you can live any way you like and get away with it, but you can't. There's good news, though. Jesus Christ can help you live a new life, literally. Would you like to know more about that? We are here for you at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. Now, if you'd rather talk with us on the phone, we're here for you there, too. Uh, 24-hour prayer line is 888-388-2683. And both the website address and the telephone number are in our show notes. GPS. God. People. Stories. I'm Ken Barron. Um, I'm from New York City, New York. I'm 72 years old and uh, one of the original hippies. As we already mentioned, today, Ken Barron works here at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And he has traveled the world sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that is something Ken could have never imagined doing when he was growing up. I was a Jewish kid, and I was culturally a Jew. My family were cultural Jews, but it really didn't mean anything to me. I was never explained, what does that mean? It meant you went to synagogue on the high holy days. You got bar mitzvahed because that was the rite of, 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 age, you know, of, of passage, and your parents wanted to have a big party for you. And that was basically what it was. It was a very cultural thing. Because Ken didn't really understand the deeper aspects of Judaism, he began looking for his own identity as a teenager. And the identity really became drugs. We were down playing basketball in the projects, and I was offered uh, to smoke a joint. And I said, what is that stuff? I said, is that marijuana? Uh, A few more times I was offered it, and finally I didn't want to feel like I was left out of stuff, so I got heavily into drugs when I was a kid. Ken thought he discovered the answer to all his problems. He now had an identity as a drug user. 
Before, he'd been bullied for being Jewish, but now the group of kids that he hung out with, kids that did drugs, stood up for him. McKinnon didn't realize drugs were actually creating new problems as they solved his old ones. My parents sent me to a military school. So I, I got into some bad behavior there, and then the drug use pretty much spiraled. I went to college for a couple of years. I ran to a guy from my home that I played basketball with, and, and he knew I was using drugs and uh, asked me if I wanted to try some heroin. So we actually went to a bathroom in Grand Central Station, and that's where I got my first uh, skin pop of heroin. And so, a downward spiral continued. Just like with marijuana, Ken thought heroin was the answer to his issues. But the truth was, he was just falling deeper into addiction. That was like this crazy feeling of warmth and completeness, and I felt like, you know, I have found the thing that killed this anxiety. That was another issue I had when I was younger. I had tremendous anxiety. I used to tell my father, but I had this this rodent, like, scratching on the inside of my stomach. And it was—nobody ever diagnosed it as anxiety. I never went to a doctor to get it diagnosed. My dad just used to always say, and this too shall pass, and this too shall pass. And and uh, it did with heroin. And, and so I started using regularly and uh, got hepatitis and had to drop out of school. And it just—this was around the time of Woodstock. This was in that era, and I was right in the middle of that whole hippie movement. Ken was actually still sick with hepatitis when Woodstock happened, so he didn't get to go. But a lot of his friends did. Soon after that, Ken left New York City when one of his friends returned from the Vietnam War and decided they should go on a big road trip. He came back and said, let's get out of here. Let's go across the country. Maybe you can get off these drugs. So we took an old station wagon. I had real long hair. I wore this long robe. I mean, it was just weird. And we drove across the country, stopped in Texas, and then went on to California, doing the whole West Coast thing and using drugs. Eventually, Ken's friend decided he wanted to go to Hawaii to surf. Ken went back to Texas, where he had met some new friends on the trip. It could have been a fresh start, but Ken was still trapped in addiction. It becomes consuming. You are a prisoner. You, there's no way out. And that's, uh, that happened in Texas. Um, I met a girl. I married her in a spout of not using drugs, a very short period of time. I was on methadone, but it was a short period of time. I married her, had a baby. And then I wound up starting to use drugs again. I got a pulmonary embolism, blood clot, and went into the hospital, and then she left me. Uh, We were married less than a year, and she left me. Not only did Ken lose his wife and daughter, he had no home. He was living in a cardboard box under an interstate bridge. But then, a woman named Sister Amelia spoke some truth into Ken's life. She helped run the methadone clinic in Houston, where Ken would buy medicine. Sister Amelia came up to me one day. I'd come in the morning and get this medicine. So the sister said to me, uh, do you want to get off of drugs? I said, sister, I don't know how to do that. She said, well, if I get you in this hospital and you get detoxed, will you promise never to use drugs again? I said, sister, I would be lying to you if I told you that. I said, but 
I've got no place to stay, so if you can get me in this hospital, I'll detox. I went into the hospital, and she said, I think God has another plan for you. Ken had heard about God plenty of times before, but something about Sister Amelia's words struck him in a new way. So he agreed to begin the painful process of detoxing from heroin. He doesn't remember much about it, except for this desperate prayer from his hospital bed. I said, God, if you allow me to get out of this, I will never do this again. I'll never use drugs again. And although Ken didn't have a relationship with Jesus yet, God answered that prayer. Once Ken sobered up, he stayed that way, and he entered into a unique long-term recovery program. We governed it ourselves, all addicts. Nobody was a professional. And as we went through the program, we got more responsibility if you stayed clean and you didn't break the rules, and there were several rules. And I wound up staying there, uh, running the program, and got elected president of it. That's spent 11 years there. During that time, Ken stayed off heroin and got remarried. He also came up with a new way to raise funds for the program by having participants make football equipment and work in the Astrodome in Houston. It was wildly successful. So much so that one day Ken got a phone call that would change the rest of his life. The origination point for the phone call? The White House. President Ronald Reagan was going to be campaigning in Houston, and he was interested in meeting Ken to learn more about their recovery program and the work initiatives. So he talked to me personally in this room before we went on, before the press was there. He was going to talk to all the residents and their family. He said, do you mind if I tell the residents that they should stay away from drugs because their body is the temple of their spirit? I had no idea he was quoting from Scripture. And I said, you can tell him whatever you want. You're the president of the United States. The visit went well, and Ken really hit it off with President Reagan and the other officials that were there to meet him. A few days later, Ken got a phone call from James Baker, the White House chief of staff, inviting him to come up to Washington, D.C. Ken had shared his own story of overcoming drug addiction during the president's visit, and James Baker had a son who struggled with addiction, too. James was so moved by Ken's story that he wanted to give him a job. So, the next thing you know, Ken was moving to the nation's capital to work in the Reagan administration. I took a job as Deputy Assistant Secretary for Public Liaison at the Department of Health and Human Services. So here I am, a Deputy Assistant Secretary, a big office in Washington, we move up there, and two weeks later, Mrs. Reagan calls me over to the White House. Ken had met First Lady Nancy Reagan briefly before, and they had connected over a shared passion for helping kids stay off drugs. But she didn't know his full story. She calls me over and says, Ken, uh, tell me about yourself. So I start telling the story in two hours. I'm sitting there, she's crying, you know, about my ex-wife and the baby and all the things that went on and the drug program. I mean, I get real emotional about it. And she said, I... I I'm really going to enjoy having you work for me. I said, well, I'm right down the street. If you need me, just call me. She said, no, I want you working right here. So I moved over to the White House as director of projects and policy for the First Lady in the East Wing. Let that sink in. Just 15 years earlier, Ken was a homeless heroin addict in Texas. And now... He was working in the White House, helping the First Lady, Nancy Reagan, run a program to keep young people away from drug addiction. You've probably heard of it. It was the Just Say No campaign. 
I mean, it almost sounds like something out of a movie, doesn't it? But there is still more to Ken's story. When his time at the White House came to an end, he began a new chapter of his life, working at the corporate level of McDonald's on another well-known effort. The job was to start a charity called Ronald McDonald Children's Charities, which eventually became Ronald McDonald House Charities. They gave me $300,000 in my budget. By the time I left, I was a corporate senior vice president, and the charity went from 300000 to $1.6 billion in assets. And 300 Ronald McDonald Houses, you know, they're around the country, uh, different programs all over. We funded all kinds of children's programs. Ken was doing so many good things. He was still free from drug addiction. He had married for a third time and was raising his family. And his work at McDonald's helped thousands of kids across the United States. But yet, he still felt like something was missing in his life. That is when Paul Saber, one of Ken's friends who worked at McDonald's, comes into the picture. Paul is a strong Christian who had witnessed to Ken many times. And finally, after 10 years of trying, he broke through. We're at dinner, and I said, you know, Paul, I've got everything going for me. Got a great wife. Got, by this time, I had a blended family, seven kids. And things were going good. I was making a lot of money. I have met hundreds and hundreds of people through my experience at McDonald's and at the White House. Important people. I mean, people you would think are important. And I had an ego. You know, I mean, I had a big ego. I said, you know, everything's going right, but I'm still feeling, I, I still have this anxiety, still feeling empty. I thought marrying my wife would solve this. I just don't feel right. I know you've been talking to me about stuff, but I don't know what to do. He says, well, I've been telling you what to do for 10 years. So Ken asked, well, what do I do? He says, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I said, well, you've said that, but I don't understand how to do it. He said, well, just pray with me. So he prayed the sinner's prayer, and as we started praying, I started to cry. I couldn't stop sobbing. I'm sobbing. And I felt like, almost felt weightless for a time. And then I felt like the weight was off my shoulders, that I was fine. I didn't understand it, but I felt like something had happened. Ken surrendered his heart to Jesus, and he was never the same again. He started reading the Bible and being discipled by men in a small group. And he began to truly understand his identity as a child of God and as a Messianic Jew. Over the next several years, Ken began living out his new faith in Christ at work and outside of work. And when things started going downhill at McDonald's, Ken considered retiring until his friend Paul Saber suggested something else. The day I tell HR that I'm leaving, Paul calls me. He says, I know you're thinking about leaving McDonald's. I want you to pray about something. I said, what is it? He said, I'm going to go down and help Franklin with Samaritan's Purse and BGEA why don't you come with me? After some initial hesitation, Ken agreed. He joined Franklin Graham and the team at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association in 2006, and he's been working here ever since. The Lord called me here, so here I am today, traveling for the first 14 years with Franklin all over the world. To, to It's just been an incredible experience. A lot of the countries I never thought I would ever go to, I've gone to. Helping people come to Christ I mean, this is what God called me here to do. And all of these things would never happen without Jesus being in my life from this Jewish kid that had no clue who Jesus was. And it's just been a terrific experience. Ken is thankful that he's been able to help shape the ministry's approach to evangelism. 
He remembers while he was a new believer how difficult at times it was to understand some of the common terms Christians tend to use. I think one of the reasons God brought me to Billy Graham Evangelistic Association to help break through that, that here I am, a relatively new believer and a Jew, and try to give our folks a different uh, uh, view of how to approach evangelism with non-believers or people who didn't grow up in a church. Really, although I was out in front of a lot of things, I'm really a behind-the-scenes guy, uh, and I'm like a coach. You know, God's delivered to me, let's say that, great people, and we've been able to get the best out of the people just by being a friend and a coach and encourager. And that's what I've done. Ken Barron has been faithful to tell others the gospel since that day he came to Christ over dinner with his friend Paul. And as he looks back on everything he's been through, from heroin addiction to working in the White House, Ken sees that God truly did have another plan for his life, just like Sister Amelia told him at the Methadone Clinic. What about you? Have you ever wondered what plan God has for your life? You can actually begin a new life today. Right now, when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, just like Ken Barron did. We can tell you more about how to do that at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. In just a minute, Ken will talk about being disowned by his parents and how he reconciled with them. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. There's a very high price to low living. Too many think that you can live any way you like and get away with it, but you can't. Billy Graham. There are people that are using drugs, and many of them are beginning to say it's not worth it. It's not worth paying the price. It's too high. First, there's the high price of sin. Then secondly, there's the high price of salvation. When you come to Jesus Christ, it cost God everything. It cost God His Son. And Jesus became guilty of your sins, and of your sins, and your sins, and my sins. And you must respond by repentance. What is repentance? It means that you're willing to turn over your life to Christ, turn over your life to God, and say, Oh God, I need you. I receive you. That's why Christ came and died on the cross, so you can have forgiveness. That's how we're saved, is coming to the cross. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin, any sin. You can find forgiveness tonight, whatever it may be. When our guest, Ken Barron, found the forgiveness that Billy Graham just mentioned, he wanted to tell everybody, including his parents, they had disowned him years earlier in the middle of his drug addiction. Ken shared with us about that emotional phone call he had with his parents the day after he began following Jesus. It was Ken's dad that answered the phone, and Ken said he needed to tell him some big news. 
He said, what is it? I said, last night I prayed to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Dead silence, he starts crying. He just starts crying. My mother gets on the phone, and she's saying, what did you say to your father? He's so upset. I said, well, I told him last night I prayed to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. She doesn't say a word. Silence. I said, oh, this is not good. And she says to me, he's not crying in tears of sadness. He's crying tears of joy. I said, what does that mean? She said, because 28 years ago, when you were going through your drug problem, we were looking for help for you, and we found Jesus. So 28 years gone by, I had no clue that they were Messianic Jews. Once again, almost as if it was out of a movie. We are so appreciative of Ken Barron joining us on this episode and sharing all the incredible ways that God has worked in his life. And thank you, too, for listening. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. We also want to thank the Newsboys for letting us use some of their music in this episode. GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Good news.